Grief is an uncomfortable friend. So in this class that I'm taking, we did the exercise of the inner mentor again. And, you know, I was thinking about who I am 20 years from now and what that feels like. I kind of started with what it felt like. And I'm a naturally anxious person by design. (laughs) Um, But I was thinking about April 20 years from now and how peaceful she is and how how much more slowly she moves through space and time. You know, right now, my temperament is that of very, very quick. I am all about getting things done and productivity and crossing things off my list. And the the older, wiser April is somebody who can just enjoy the little moments and the space between, right? The space between all of the things that we think are important. And I was thinking about how when you get older and when I've seen some really wise, wise elders, right, in my community and in my family, you know, there's there's this lack of focus on on them and what they've gone through. And there's this peace and calm and just ability to be there with folks who are with folks with me that are just going through the really tough times. And I don't know, it just made me start thinking about judgment versus discernment. And I was thinking initially, like, where is this coming from, right? Like, how do I, how do I start this? And I heard a quote from Mike Tyson, and somebody had asked him about, you know, you get criticized a lot, like, how does that feel? And he said something along the lines of like, when I think that I'm somebody, it hurts. But when I remember that I'm nobody, it's okay. And there was just something about that that just sat with me. And it made me question, like, am I thinking I'm somebody too much? Like, and how is that impacting me? And, you know, that's where I was in my 20s, right? Like, I think all I'm, for the most part, I'm noticing now that many 20 year olds are kind of in that same boat. But I remember thinking that I was doing all the right things. And that I, I was being humble and, and kind. And, you know, I definitely wasn't looking back, like I was trying to fit in, I was trying to find where I am, I was trying on different attitudes and different thoughts and different theologies and different whatever, just to, to figure out what's going to fit what's going to feel right for me. And, you know, I, I definitely thought I was definitely very judgment of others, right. And it was because they were the standards that I was being judged on and that I was doing really well in. So so for me, you know, this judge of all these things that you should be doing, should, 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 you know, to me, I was just like, well, I am doing all those things. That's great. And like my own self-worth came out of all these shoulds and my worth of others are these shoulds. And it's like, oh, well, it's easy. You should be doing this, this, and this. And that gave me the aha this week that that's how I can figure out the difference between judgment and discernment. And so I looked it up too, just because I wanted to get a better understanding as well. But, you know, judgment typically refers to forming an opinion or making a decision about something or someone based on, you know, the the information you're seeing, the evidence you have, um, 
It involves looking at a, a situation or an action or a person and coming to a conclusion. And they're definitely influenced by by my own biases, beliefs, preconceptions. Um, and, you know, sometimes it and a lot of the times, especially with with growing up, it's it's making these critical or negative assessments about somebody. Because I don't think if you ever think something positive about something, you think that you're passing positive judgment. I feel like judgment has a very negative connotation. At least that's how I feel about it. And, you know, when Lincoln died, it changed everything. I threw it all out. I threw all the shoulds. I think Brene Brown was the one that said, like, you know, stop shooting all over yourself. And I was just like, oh, you're so right. I hate the shoulds. Who says anyway? Like, says who? Who is the should? You know, and and I stripped everything down, you know. And then that first year, in the shock and in the, like, trying to understand my my place in everything, I think it was relatively easy for me to recognize that others were going through something that, you know, if this is what I'm going through and I look quote unquote normal on the outside, others must be going through some pretty tough trauma, some pretty tough stuff. And it was because I so freely talked about Lincoln and his death in that first year, especially that that others, especially at work, came out of the woodwork to tell me about their losses. And that's how I recognized that there were so many different situations I hadn't even thought of, different losses that people were experiencing, different challenges, different struggles. And and I think it really did humble me. I mean, losing Lincoln completely humbled me. It brought me to my knees. And then in year two, I was so angry. I was tired and and Ada was, you know, uncertain her future, right, with her failure to thrive and and the feeding tubes and all that kind of stuff. And and then for year three, you know, with being pregnant with Miles and having, like being pregnant with Miles, not even having him, but just being pregnant with him, I just had this overarching sense of gratefulness. And I was walking through life feeling pretty grateful for what it is that I have and thinking to myself, how on earth could I have ever have thought of myself as being lucky in this environment? Like, one of Kevin's friends said to him, like, you are so lucky. You have such a beautiful family. And I remember being so thrown off by it because I didn't think myself as lucky. We lost Lincoln. How is that lucky? But then I recognized that his friend is somebody who who probably, you know, won't find their life partner or if they do, will be later, later in life. And at this stage, you know, probably will not have children. And I recognized that I am so lucky. I have an amazing partner. I have these beautiful, smart, loving children, and I am so lucky. And and that felt really great. And then the Miles was born, and I was just surviving for another year because that first year was really tough. And now I'm here in, in year five, right? And And the judgment is setting back in. And I recently was having a struggle with, you know, just just work. And where do I belong, right? And I'm I'm finding I'm pushing on something and I'm pushing and I'm pushing and I'm pushing. And it's just it's not moving, right? The the situation I'm trying to tackle, how I'm coming at it, like it's just it's not moving. And it reminded me of of what we resist persists, right? And for me, it's like, you know, I'm I'm resisting the fact that this this thing that I'm trying to move is immovable. It's not going to move. And it's 
It's me recognizing that, you know, I don't want to put my energy into it anymore. But at first, I had judgment about it. I had a lot of judgment about, you know, this other person. I had judgments around like how I should, here's that should coming up, right? I should be doing something. This person should be doing this. You know, this group should be doing that. You know, I had all these shoulds that were coming up. And then I was just like, hold on, April. Like, it just, it hit me again. It hit me again that that Mike Tyson quote and this other really beautiful quote um, that I believe Ilya uh, Delio um, says, and it's better than none equal to all. And that's really powerful. Like this concept that I need to remember that I am better than none, but I'm equal to all. I think that's really beautiful. And when I did that, I reassessed the situation. I said, okay, April, are you passing judgments on this person? I'm like, absolutely, because I'm adding in what I have learned and these lessons I've been taking for myself and and these steps I've been taking and you know, thinking that I am at this stage of my spiritual like journey and they should be too because they're at the same age or whatever, right? And then I recognize, you know, I'm no better. I'm no better. So stop it. Cut it out. You know, this, 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 it was kind of easy to kind of go back into this feeling I had of me in my 20s. And I'm like, no, I'm not. So I started looking at it and I said, you know, we're all in these different phases. We're all in these different phases and we're all experiencing this concept of resurrection, right? And I love how Christianity puts it because it's like you have life, there's death, and then there's resurrection. And this concept is is something that we see, you know, in our in our lives. It happens to us all the time. You know, a, as a plant grows, you know, you have to trim off different branches that are that are not surviving for the greater good of the plant. And sometimes you have things and tragedies or traumas that happen in life that will shave off some of the the people or the situations or the job or whatever it is to help make the plant, make the person survive, you know? And I, it just made me think about how we see this all the time. And, and we see summer is of life and, and, and a bloom and all of that and, and, and living. And then winter is the death. And then spring is a resurrection again. You know, the, the beautiful fall leaves remind us that everything dies, nothing lasts. And then, you know, the trees budding in the springtime remind you that there's a re, a rebirth, a renewal. And so when I think about that, I think to myself, you know, if I can, I can still make judgment. I was talking to my husband about this. He's like, you can still have judgment. They're not necessarily negative, but it is something that you use that you, you can use to make decisions. But I think it's removing the shoulds, reminding ourselves that we're and reminding myself that we're in different phases of our resurrection cycles that happen. And when you do that, the judgment moves to discernment. And that just feels so powerful and so moving. So so discernment is a little bit more nuanced and thoughtful. And it goes beyond just just judgment, right? It involves, you know, being able to perceive or distinguish or understand some subtle differences or nuances in a situation, person, or idea. So this concept that, you know what, this person hasn't had something so traumatic happen to them that their entire paradigm has has collapsed. And that's not better or worse. And I can respect that. And sometimes I'm a little jealous of that. (laughs) But 
if I'm being completely honest. Um, but then it's also kind of like, you know what? And that's okay. Cause if we live long enough, like we're going to have things happen. It's going to, it's just going to just, yeah. So I, I've just been thinking about that and I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? And so discernment often implies some sort of deeper level of insight or wisdom or the ability to make sound choices. Um, You can examine multiple factors and consider the long-term consequences, right? And so it's not really influenced by personal biases or or quick decisions. It's really just about the sense of wisdom and ability to, to make morally and ethically sound choices. So I was thinking to myself and I said, okay, where do I feel like the energy that I give out is being multiplied? Where do I feel like when I'm having a conversation with somebody that we're both walking away better for it and that I can feel that there's positive energy being put out there how, how with how I show up to others after, without how they show up to others after, you know, and and how can I focus on doing more of that? And it brings me back to this coaching thing that I really love and, and, and knowing people, knowing their story and, and listening for, for understanding and for helping them <laughs> realize that we're, we're better to none than equal to all. <laughs> like I'm, I'm laughing, but it's just kind of like, it's, it's so important, right? <laughs> I don't know. And so it's, it's going to look different for everyone. Right. And then I was thinking about how, um, I love, I'm a big fan of father Richard Rohr. He, he's the leader of the center for action and contemplation. And I'll link that in the show notes below, but I really enjoy him and all of his, um, daily meditations last week were all about St. Francis. And I really love St. Francis because he was not so much a theologian, um, but he was really big on on acts of compassion and prayer and and poverty and simplicity and it reminded me a lot of of Jesus you know i think there's a lot of theologians out there that are also amazing right saint thomas aquinas is an amazing one martin luther an amazing one um gosh i'm uh not han uh is an amazing uh vietnamese zen buddhist monk that is an amazing was an amazing activist and and so mindful and and really thinks about that that theology of everything right and you know say Augustine was also one but um there's no better or worse it's not like it's better that somebody is a theologian versus a Franciscan you know I think I think the word and I think the the act is really important both of those things. And I think this entire life is us figuring out how to align the two <laughs> with what we're thinking, with to how we're acting, that intentionality, right, that we're trying to put behind things. But it's this thing where I'm recognizing that it like it just is going to look different. And that's that's okay. That's actually really beautiful and we can appreciate that. You know, and to circle back a little bit with this kind of resurrection thing, you know, we're having, you know, a lot more forest fires, right? And I was watching this really interesting documentary about how forests have changed over time. And because um, we're controlling and stopping fires as much as we are, um, 
we are not allowing like the underbrush to to start and spark fires that more of these little tiny saplings are growing in between these forests. Our forests are much more dense than they used to be, you know, hundreds of years ago. And because of that, fire is able to spread much, much, much more quickly. And we don't have these huge, you know, redwoods like the California redwoods that can really survive fire and really stable because we're constantly just reseeding with these little seedlings that kind of incinerate really, really quickly. And it reminds me that, you know, even when a forest burns like bare and like down to the ground, like it, it creates life and, and fruitfulness. You know, the ash of a volcano is a super, super highly concentrated uh, kind of soil that allows for the growth of some amazing plants, right? That help feed the animals. And so there's, there's life that gets brought to you after death, right? There's that resurrection theme again, right? Um, and it made me think of Jesus. Oh gosh, I'm trying not to be too uh, religious here, but like just Jesus as the person, right? And if you think about his story in general, you know, I I think that Jesus is Jesus didn't come here to change God's mind about us. And I think this is where I've struggled sometimes with some Christianity and the fact that he's come here to, and and his death has cleaned all of our sins and and we're all, you know, saved because he's died for our sins. And it's just like, uh, that just makes me feel like, like God and, and this power of love is, is very conditional. Like it requires a sacrifice. Like, I don't understand that. I'm struggling with that. So I, but I don't think he came here to change God's mind about us. I think God is love. And I think love is, is pure. And I think love is good. And so I think Jesus really came here to change our mind about God. You know, when he's dying up on the cross, he says, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. You know, it's, it's this concept of like, this person is going through the ultimate sacrifice, and yet they still have compassion and loving words for us, and they still want what's best for us. And that's what, that's what God is, right? That's what love is. And, you know, I just, it just hit me really strongly. And it's going to look different. And we can think our ways of ourselves about that and we can act our ways about that and we can try to do our best, but that's exactly what it's going to be. It's just going to be whatever we can do is our, is our best. I think too, it's really helped like this concept of like discernment and judgment has helped me recognize too that we are always going to have an idol of something. I think human beings are wired for worship. And I can see in our times we're worshiping our phones. I know I get pulled into the phone so much. I wish I wasn't, but I do. You know, we get pulled into TV, we get pulled into entertainment, we get pulled into gossip, we get pulled into to material things, right? And I feel like I finally got out of being pulled into material things, right? When I moved out to the the, the West Coast, because I feel like the East Coast, especially New York City, is all about the Joneses and keeping up and and the labels and all that, where I don't feel that way here in the, on the West Coast. So I got out of that idol. But it's this kind of reminder that no matter what, you're going to be the idol. You're going to have something to be the idol. You're working towards something. And I don't want it to be... I don't even know how I can say it, but I, I wouldn't, do, what, what better than the best idol? What better than ultimate love? What can be better than that kind of idol? And so like, I think that just, 
spans across religion. I don't think Jesus was the quote unquote, like son of God. I think he was the example of what an extension of God was. And I'm pretty sure that if you like look at the ancient text and the languages that they were originally written in the Greek and the Hebrew, it kind of translate more so into the extension of God, right? That we all are. I think what better than to try to idolize than than love and, and Jesus, who was a pretty good person from what I understood, <laughs> at least what we read from 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 the text, right? Um, sounds like he was a pretty cool dude. Not very judging, right? He was very uh, discerning and, and not casting stones. Um, let ye who has not sinned cast the first stone, you know, when they were trying to stone the, the prostitute. Um, I know there's just something about that that sits really well with me. Um, and, a re- and a really lovely reminder to be really careful on what my idol is going to look like because I find myself getting pulled into the, you know, is it a title? Is it a, is it a salary? Is it a, is it a certain act of kindness or a certain kind of charity? Is it, you know, like, it's like I'm trying to, to conditionally like buy these things. Right. And you can't do that. Like that doesn't work that way. You have to align the thought and the actions and not hope for, and and release yourself of the expectations of the outcome. That's the part I have a really hard time with too. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about if I do this, this, and this, like then X will happen, right? It's this bargaining mind, right? That I have with, with Lincoln, like, okay, if I, I make meaning behind this and if I share my story and if somebody, you know, somewhere listens to it and they feel better about something that I'm doing something positive. Yeah. But like, you know, what could that do? And what, what could that lead to? And it's just like, I need to, I need to let go of the, the expectation on the other side. But it's so hard. It's so hard because I want to continue to align myself. And so what does that look like? I guess I'm here, I'm creating in the moment, right? I'm thinking about what does that look like? And it's really just do I, I guess I just continue to discern, right? You, you try something, you, you say something and you try to, to act in a way that aligns with that. And then with whatever the result is, you discern whether or not it's the right move or the right path. And if it's not, then that's fine. You know, that was a different outcome and it teaches you something. And if it feels good, if it's multiplying that energy, if it's, if it's feeding back to the system in a more positive way, then take that as a sign of, of being on the right path or doing the right thing or, or just feeling that love. That's really what I have for you today. I have this thought or these thoughts, these, these aha moments I've kind of come up with around judgment and discernment. And, and how do I know when I'm acting in judgment versus acting in discernment? And again, that should comes up. So, you know, watch out for all those shoulds. But really just thinking about the fact that the the preliminary judgment necessarily isn't a bad thing. It's like, what am I going to do with that? How am I going to look at it from different perspectives? How am I going to take the knowledge that I'm learning from it, the thought that I'm learning from it? And what am I going to do? What is the action I'm going to take because of that? And so we'll see 
<laughs> what I do with it coming up soon, but um, it's really just, it, there, there's courage involved in that, right? There's courage into stripping down what it is that you are struggling with and trying to figure out like, is am I the problem? Am I, am I doing something to myself? Am I not helping myself? And I think with that courage will come a much better outcome than we can imagine. So yeah, thank you, Lincoln, for giving me that courage. And thank you all for listening and sticking with me today on my shorter uh, forum podcast here. I think you know, to try to succinctly keep these ideas, you know, together, I think I'm going to try to probably reduce some of my, my content here in length and, and see if that resonates with you guys. So again, thank you. And thank you, Lincoln, for the, the courage and the insight on discernment versus judgment. Until we meet again.